Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Happy President's Day. Did we do that? Is it a happy occasion? I don't get the holiday. I don't. Anyways, uh, Miller and Condon with you. You know what? Why doesn't everybody get it? If some people get the day off, why doesn't everybody get the day off? It's either a holiday or it isn't. No. I mean, not everybody gets Christmas off. There's still no, people that have to work. most people do. You mean, you get my point. Everything's... You just want a day off. Let's well, of be course. honest I mean, here. don't you on a day yeah. like this? Yeah. I mean, if it's a I'm day I'm excited on... to come in and talk sports. Well, I'm not looking at it. We, exactly. We're not going, as Dyer used to say, it's not like we're putting a, a light on our helmet and going down a mine shaft. <laughs> right. We're talking into a microphone about games that took place this weekend and will take place. Uh, but anyways, uh, President's Day, glad that those of you are... Uh, at home, have turned on your radio, and those of you who are in your car, we're grateful to you as well. Uh, BMW Des Moines guest list looks like this today. We're going to talk to our friend Rob Doster from the field of 68. Uh, that'll be about 1030 or thereabouts. He's our only guest in the first hour of the program. Uh, and then we'll do Iowa State and Iowa in that order. Dave Sproul is back from vacation, 1430 KSI on the uh, AM dial in Story County. That's where Iowa State plays. Uh, he'll join us at 1105. And and then uh, Scott Dockerman wrote a really informative piece on the FCS on college football that resumes this weekend. And if you're going to give it a whirl, uh, and if you subscribe to The Athletic, I would uh, highly recommend you read Doc's piece. It's a little bit of a primer, uh, not just on Northern Iowa, but some of the bigger games. And um, it's a good read. Uh, Scott Dockerman, 1125. Obviously, we'll do more than that. We'll recap the Michigan uh, blowout from the weekend. Take a look at the week ahead uh, as the Hawks don't play until thir- Thursday. Thursday night. Uh, Thursday night. So, And that's Wisconsin? It is Bucky. As they'll Boy, see David, them twice. Davis, Davison's a dirty player, Trent. This guy, I don't know how he has... And I'm sure when he was a kid, when he was... That he got punched right in the nose oh, in yeah, the middle yeah, of games. Yeah. Um, he's a dirty basketball player. He really... That's the only way to describe him. Fake uh, tough guy. Yeah, you know, would you want him on your team? Eh, maybe, but at the same time... Um, and I'm not. I'm not sure. He, he he got away with a couple of them yesterday, and I'm sure he's. That's been the story of his career, right? Yes. Uh, so we'll uh, get into um, Iowa with Scott Dockman at eleven twenty-five. We have to start with Drake and Loyola. Yes, uh, such a good series. Kevin Lehman, uh, our friend, he'll join us. I think on Wednesday he had both of the games on ESPN two. I wish I would have known Adam Emenecker had Saturday's Valpo U and I game. <laughs> Emenecker worked with Holtis this weekend. Oh, th- those yes. two worked together. I had it on, but I had it on in the background Saturday yeah. night, so I guess I didn't even no, was catch that, who was, was on the call. Emenecker and Mitch Holtis, who's can. Kansas City Chiefs duties are done until uh, um, until well August, hopefully, mm-hmm. with some preseason football. Do we want that? Yeah, we do. Two of them, couple of them, yes. right? Including the uh, the Hall of Fame game because I love that game in Canton. I just do. Gets you rubbed up. Yeah, it's the season. It's the um, you know lift the curtain a little bit. Anyways, uh, so uh, let's start with uh, Drake and uh, Loyola. It was a completely different game Sunday as opposed to Saturday, which is good for Drake mm-hmm. because Saturday was um, was not their day. Uh, clearly, as they tried to uh, for the first time uh, learn what life is going to be like without their leading scorer and tank uh, Hemphill, and he 
he's not going to play for four weeks, as we found out after the show that it was serious. Look, Trent, when they showed him on Wednesday night limping off the floor, not putting any weight on it whatsoever, and the excruciating look on his face, you knew something was up, uh, and we would come to find out that, yeah, he's got a broken foot, so uh, something indeed is up, and it's going to be up uh, till the NCAA tournament gets here, so hopefully he'll be able to participate in that. But I 100% agree with everyone who said that this game yesterday had to go Drake's way for any hope at all of the Valley getting two bids uh, into March Madness and luckily it did go their way, Trent, and I think those two bids are very much alive. I don't think there's any doubt about it. that There's a, a realistic path for both of these teams, and I still think there's a path where they don't have to each win out till the championship game, and you probably want Drake to win that game if you're the MVC. Loyola has the better resume. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a path for them to take another loss before Regular that season or St. Regular Louis season. loss? And still get there. So if that plays out in that fashion, let's obviously just take a look at the Drake perspective because mm-hmm. that's the one that's most important to us. The remaining schedule, you and I this week in the second of the two midweek games. Then they have Evansville. They're net ranking 232. Yes. Uh-huh. Two of those in the NAP Center. Uh, and then finish up with Bradley, who's at 158. Now, Bradley, it's on the road, and they're okay. Okay. Probably the third best team in the MVC. Better than most day. I think most state maybe has more top end talent. Okay, Bradley has been a little more consistent here over the last two months of conference play, um, but yeah, they're they're in the same conversation. Say they lose one of those two to Bradley, then they get to the championship and lose again to Loyola. That would put them their record taking the D two games 15 out of there. and four. They are eighteen and two right now. So that would be one. Well, there's five games. Oh, I was just four, doing the conference. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would put them at 24-4 and four with the loss to Loyal in the championship game. They would be more than likely 1-2 and two in Quadrant 1 opportunities. But mm-hmm. the big component is they're undefeated against Quadrant 2. And though they don't have the sheer volume, you a lot of people a lot of people on the committee like to combine those first two quadrants. And when that's the case, and you have a record that would be, at that point, 5-2, and two, pretty hard to say no, as long as their net ranking doesn't plummet here. Comes in today, 33 is where they're currently at. And there were 40 going into yesterday, right? They dropped down to 40 after the loss on Saturday, I think uh, Lehman said. And moved back up. Now 35, excuse me, 35 today, this morning. That's from Warren Nolan's updated rankings that he does on the net. So you stay in that ballpark. You're 24-4. and You have at least one win against Loyola. I still think that's going to be good enough. But it might be... I wish you were on the committee. (laughs) But it might be... Well, in the old days, sent to Dayton, yeah, sent to Indianapolis and playing a day early, right. and they'll be playing in that quadruple header on Thursday that uh, all the first four games will be played. You know, that'll feel a little bit like more like you're in the tournament. It will, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. The Dayton experience, uh, you won't be able to participate in that this year. At least mm-hmm. you'll be there with all the other teams. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so at the end of the game, Trent, it was, um, boy, oh boy, you'd like to have seen Drake get off a couple of shots. But i got to give them credit where uh, defensively, you know, they're blocking shots. I thought for sure there's no way that Loyola is not going to get an opportunity uh, to win this basketball game. Uh, because they're for sure going to get a shot off. And Drake just clamped down. Um, the fact they clamped down in the final, I don't know, a little bit of regulation and then the five-minute overtime period, they they did a, a, a nice job defensively against Loyola. Krautwig kept getting inside, and uh, he wasn't able to finish inside. Um 
and uh, and Penn, although he struggled all weekend when they needed him. Um, you know, there he, there he was to, uh, to to make those shots. So just a huge, huge win. Now, I don't know what happened at the end of the game because it got a little bit of um, a little back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, ESPN, the cameras did not show what was going on. They showed Drake walking off the floor, and DeVries was pretty amped up, but I get it. I mean, their NCAA tournament hopes were riding on them beating a team that they were – not favored to beat, and it just pounded them the day before. So I get the emotion, but I wish I would have known what lit the uh, been able to figure out what lit the fuse. Do you know? There's been. Conversa- I mean, Birchie wrote about it a little bit. Yeah. He, he did ask Moser, and Moser said, "Plug the tape in from yesterday at the end." So maybe was he saying, you know, when we won yesterday, we did. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to connect some dots. Late in a blowout, there is a certain decorum that you have teams letting the clock run out you're putting subs in those kind of things mm-hmm. and did that not happen from a drake perspective is that where the fuse was ignited yeah, it was a one-point game yesterday well and that's the part I, I i don't understand what could have transpired saturday that then leads to this close game that goes to yeah. overtime that's the only thing i saw and and i this isn't i don't think this is worthy do you remember the the end of the game? Uh, Drake rebounded the miss, and I think it was Murphy in front of um, in front of Loyola's bench. He threw the ball in the air to run out the clock. Yeah, but he was fouled before that, mm-hmm. and they went and put back what one point seven seconds, I think, at the end of the game instead of point two. Um, maybe there was something there. I, I I don't know, but it was certainly. Um, I mean, somebody did something to light the fuse. Regardless of what it is, though, it's good for Drake. Well, this is a good thing in general, right? The MVC with no Creighton, yeah, with no Wichita, right? With the the power, oh, I see where you're going. Yeah, you need yeah. these kind of storylines. Mm-hmm. You need these kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. I heard Gary Parish and Matt Norlander last night on their podcast, National College Basketball Podcast, talking about this game, and they said the same thing. John Feinstein's tweeting about this game. Pat Forty's tweeting about this game. This is what you want. Mm -hmm. From the Missouri Valley, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's contrived. It doesn't matter if this is Porter Moser. Really doesn't have anything. He's just trying to push the right buttons here at the end of the season for his team. And he's contriving something. That really means nothing in the grand scheme of things. So be it. Because you know what? These two teams play, and it's CBS, and you have the national broadcast on that Sunday. Oh, I hope so. And they lead into, and last time these two teams together, there was, that's what you want. Uh These are the storylines that you want to build. Bring it on. Keep making more stuff up. No, (laughs) And if it's that, let's contrive a little bit more. Make this a real rivalry. Chicago against Des Moines? Let's bring it. (laughs) No, it was fun, especially after what we watched on, on Saturday, a game that uh, was close for a while. Um, I mean, Drake led, Drake led at the half. Mm-hmm. I mean, Drake's... And then 50-20 to 20 in the second <laughs> half. Is that what it was? Yeah. Jesus. It felt worse than that. It did too. feel worse than that. I mean, they had no answer for Loyola in that basketball game. My biggest surprise yesterday, not that Drake came back and played better, because I anticipated that. I, I really thought they were going to bounce back and mm-hmm. play better yesterday. Did Brody stay out of foul trouble? That was a part of it. Huge. But... That they were able to stay in a game not playing their style. When mm-hmm. Loyola, Loyola did what Loyola did. Mm-hmm. They, they muck it up, they grab, they clutch. It's annoying to play against, especially a team like Drake that is more free-flowing. They, they want to get out and run. They want to play at a faster tempo. They want to hit threes. And Loyola, they're just going to grind you. 
in a game where you only hit three three-pointers, you only have five assists as a team, and you're still able to find a way to get a victory. I think that said a lot about Drake. No, you're right. And Sturge didn't score. Played 37 minutes and didn't score, and you're right, 3 for 19. All right, let's move on. Let's... um you want to do the good before the bad, or do you want to get the bad out of the way and then do the good? Because... Well, I've already uh, taken on Chicago, so uh, let's <laughs> let's stay with the good. Let's go to Iowa, yeah. which, from taking my commentator hat off from fan perspective, I was waiting for this moment. I, I felt at some point in my life we would see, yeah. that, uh, that you'd see Iowa go into East yeah. Lansing and just dominate them, just absolutely. It wasn't that fun. Because Michigan State is so bad, Jeez. and there wasn't fifteen thousand, and the zone wasn't there, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's fun watching the team you root for win by thirty, but it, it didn't have the feeling that I anticipated that it would. Interesting, uh, even though it was a blowout against a team that you I mean there had been a lot of wins over in no. East Lansing, especially this big in a game where. Uh, I'm still going to call Luca Garza the favorite to win the wooden award. The wooden favorite had eight points in that game, uh, and 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 Iowa won by thirty. Um, didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming at all. Wieskamp was terrific. You know who else was? Connor McCaffrey. Yes, he was. They let Shooting Connor McCaffrey the ball. That's exactly right. They were going to just let him do whatever he wants. You want to shoot? Go ahead and shoot because we're not going to guard you. You can't make this. And he did time after time after time. Can he keep that up? I sure like to think so because they're going to, I would think, uh, employ similar strategy. We're going to double up the big fella inside. Connor, you shoot. You go ahead. We, you don't scare us. Connor's now at 33% on the year from three. Last year, he was similar numbers. He was at 34% on the year. If he can stay in that range, just hitting mm-hmm. about a third of his three-pointers, where you sag off and he's going to hit that open shot, it completely changes oh, the huge. complex of, of what this team mm-hmm. is and how they're going to be. Connor been struggling. He's been playing some bad basketball. Mm-hmm. Maybe the worst stretch of basketball in his career. Yeah, I'm with you. Over the last week, week and a half. And to turn it around in that fashion, to do it that way. How about Jack Nunge? Oh, boy, players, you know what, off. Six assists. The double-double's nice. Mm-hmm. The six assists, is better, yeah. Yeah, right. seeing that from your, your big guy and playing at that fashion. You mentioned Luca. He's tired. I don't think it's a stretch to say. Yeah, that. I don't either, Trent. I'm with you because they he, he, they bang him as often as they can. You're seeing it as it's his free throw percentage is, is going the wrong way right now, and that's legs. Look, um, he's still a hell of a player. Yes, and enjoy him because this is this is the end. Um, but in a game again where he scored eight points and you beat Michigan State by thirty, come on. Uh, that 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 that's a positive in my book. Not because uh, Gars only scored eight, but because the other guys picked him up. Because he's been the guy that's picked up his team time after time after time. Uh, and this week, uh, this game rather wasn't the case. It was his teammates that did him a solid. See Keegan Murray, another great performance mm-hmm. out of him, and not just the scoring and knocking down a couple of threes, but the anticipation. That's it with him. He's smart. He is the basketball IQ angles. Watch him. When he goes weak side to set up on a rebound, just those little small things that are innate are very in- incredibly difficult mm-hmm. to teach. It's just it's Aaron White, it's Nicholas Bear, mm-hmm. it's between the ears, and some of those guys has it. He has it, but it also feels like there's a lot of upside there. It feels like he can get a lot bigger and stronger. I know he's got a lot bigger since high school, but you throw a little bit more weight on him. His athleticism, 
He's a better athlete than I think he got credit for coming out of high school when people said he's okay. He's certainly not the athlete that his dad was, right. which was kind of a different level right. kind of athlete right. in Kenyon. But that's what those kind of – and that was the knock against both him and Chris, both of them, maybe not athletic enough to play in the Big Ten. Certainly seems like, seems like he has that kind of athleticism. Yeah, and you keep hearing that don't write off Chris. Right, yeah, that he might be – there's parts of his game that mm-hmm. are better than Keegan, which pretty nice to have. You put all that together, and I'm just trying to – you know, we talked about comps and what he can be and what he's going to be going forward. There just aren't players that are like him, that that really jump to mind, that have that kind of basketball IQ, especially this early in their career. Mm-hmm. Few and far between. Yeah. Um, you know, I I asked Bobby Hansen that last last week when we had Bobby Hansen on, and you know, he tempered it by saying they're not the same. I mean, Scottie Pippen's the top, mm-hmm. what was he, top fifty of all time? Right, right. But I get the comparison. Uh-huh. They're, they're kind of quiet. They're very smart. Um, look, he's not Scotty. No, Bobby wasn't saying he's going to be Scotty Pippen. Yeah, right. Don't anybody take it that way. But but that's it, it's a tough comp. I'm with you. It's a tough comp. Uh, so they get a little time here to rest. Oh, and one more player, Joe Toussaint. Good to mm-hmm. see him finally mm-hmm. break out. How many Another minutes guy. did he end up? He played twelve minutes. Play, played twelve minutes. Played, I thought, at a high level. Mm-hmm. Really ran the team well out there and felt like. He, right when he went in the game, it was almost like he took that deep breath. Okay. Because how many times do yeah. we see not just the turnovers, but the turnovers right away? Or he gets the ball for the first time and he jets up the floor. He doesn't need just let the game come to you. Mm-hmm. And it felt like that, that happened for the first time in a while for Joe Tucson. I, I'm with you because uh, he has not played uh, or had the success that we thought he was mm-hmm. going to have. And uh, it was good to see. All right. Speaking of success, and Iowa State still looking for that. And they play tomorrow at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, by the way. So. That's a time change, right? Yeah, that's a weather, apparently weather okay. uh, in, in the state of Oklahoma that they moved that game up. Uh, it's 3 o'clock. Uh, it's ESPN Plus, if you are if you were looking for it. I believe it's in the, well, I know it is, the mm-hmm. ESPN Plus. Of course, the game will be uh, heard down the hall in 100.3 the bus. But you know what? Um, they were in the game against Kansas. But there, there was one sequence, Trent. Yeah, you have to say it uh, because I prayed, praised Rasir Bolton the entire season long. The brain cramp that he had—he's yeah. bringing up the ball. There's four, I don't know, four and a half minutes left in the second half. Walking it up, unguarded. <whistles> Ten seconds. Ten second violation. It's I me. Mean, come on. <sighs> We've well, seen what, what, what? I mean, how does that happen? And and. It was not, it was, there was no pressure on him. No. You see it in the NBA every once in a while, too, because they have eight-second backcourt. Right. And it's the same thing, and, and the guy just kind of drops his shoulders like, uh, you know. And it's not like he was a step away from getting <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference. <laughs> he has some work where, to do. Yeah. Where normally it's like a guy is stepping across. Yeah, right. Uh, maybe that's a the BS offic- foul. And you the know. official's trying to do something. Right. Yeah, he wasn't close. No. <laughs> he had some work to do. Um, do you, the, ho- the bench hollering... Something's got to happen. Trent, you know my theory on this. Here's what I think is is the team knows that the guy that is responsible for them being at Iowa State is about to lose his job. Yeah, I think they realize that their leader is um, the sand is running out of his Iowa State hourglass. And, And I think you see, and Prome knows. Prome knows, and the team knows that there's going to be significant changes in this offseason. Um, I'm not even sure a win would get them 
you know, a little jump. I mean, you certainly want to see that, a little bit of a payoff. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, just that that Bolton thing. And, and Jackson is just, I thought he was going to be a different player than he's been this year. Now he missed a bunch of games mm-hmm. at the start of the season. Solomon Young, you can't fault the effort. You can, you know, he, he misses so many bunnies seemingly. Yeah. But there was when he misses one, he's got three guys, three Jayhawks around him, and Solomon Young comes down with the offensive re It's not for a lack of effort on his part. Um, they're trying, but they're just, they just know that the inevitable's about to be upon them. And that's how I see it. It's, I think, a really interesting conversation, too, about Steve Prohm and how we talked about this guy. Any other coach, he just, the good guy nature of him, does that make the, the firing why I think both of us were slower to come around than maybe we should have been? Well, I, my, my whole take on this was pandemic. Yeah, but financial. Right. I, I was in the same boat, but then the more you think about it, the more people that mm-hmm. I know we both talked to, you can't afford to keep them no, around. No, you can't. Because you have season ticket renewals that are going to be uh-huh. happening this summer. And you're hopeful that you're going to be able to have a full Hilton right. Coliseum. And you're going to do that, running it back for no. what's looking like another 20-loss season, back-to-back 20-loss uh-huh. seasons. Maybe an offer in the Big 12. You can't do it. Because are they now the last Power 5 conference to win? Because uh, uh, Nebraska won yesterday. They did. Beat Penn State. Nittany Lions. Uh, there, there, can't be, there can't be too many. I wouldn't think so. No, is there anybody in the Pac-12 that doesn't have no, a win? No, uh, looking right now, got Washington's one. got one. SEC, uh, Vandy, they got a couple. A couple for Vandy, huh? Yeah. Boston yeah. College has one in the ACC. All right. Throw yeah. the Big East in because it's it's more than you know Power Five, it and is. when it comes to basketball, the ball's got two. Okay, no one, but uh, still they have one. American Athletic. Well, the answer is Iowa State. I'm, I'm starting. There it is. It certainly looks like that's that. That's the answer. Um, St. Joe's and the Atlantic Ten. They don't count. Anyways, you get the point. Mm-hmm. It is not going well. They're just discombobulated. I just they realize that um, uh, that the guy that's responsible for them being at Iowa State is going to lose his gig. He can't afford not to. Now, who's it going to be? I haven't seen a really good answer. I don't think that moves the needle consensus wise. The T.J. Otzelberger is divisive. It, that's a good good word. That's a uh, that's a good way to put it. And I've heard both sides that are very strong yeses, and mm-hmm. I've heard very strong noes, and, and the reasons behind it. And I think they both make compelling points. Now, I've told you before it that faction of the fan base that is so enamored with T.J. I get T.J. Otzelberger, good guy, Midwest guy, mm-hmm. recruited a lot of the guys yep. that had that success in the Hoiberg era. But you look at the resume, what he's done at UNLV. Mm-hmm. Doesn't wow you by any means. Not yet. I mean, he's got a young team. Mm-hmm. But it's second year. Yeah. And normally, that's when you're starting to see at least some kind of fruits, and that mm-hmm. has not happened yet. Sandia, or South Dakota State, excuse me, that was on the back of Mike Dom, who he didn't recruit. But he had to re-recruit. True. Yeah. To keep him around. Yeah, to keep him. So he did that. And the way, the structure that him and Hoiberg and that group built, you can't do it anymore at Iowa State. You no, can't recruit those kind of transfers. Yep. Right. Are not making their way to everybody else. Yeah. Those guys are now going to Carolina, mm-hmm. Kentucky, and Duke. I mean, just look at West Virginia and Toshibwe. In the past, 10 years ago, a guy like that probably would have ended up at Iowa State. Now, he's going to Kentucky. Right. Because those guys are involved in those kind of transfers. So, TJ not only has to come back here, rebuild the program, but he's going to have to do it a different way than he'll help do it before. 
Uh, we'll get our first break of the day. It's time for another $1,000 slam dunk. We've got one in the 11 o'clock hour as well. Text the keyword dollar to 200, 200 right now. It's your chance at $1,000. Dollar to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Hi, Rob Doster coming up. We'll go around college basketball with Doster. Dave Sproul at 11.05 on Iowa State. Scott Dockman at 11.20 on Iowa as well as FCS. Did we figure out if there is or isn't TV locally here yet on Friday for the Panthers football? I uh, had Josh Betts uh, reach in. I hear him calling the Fanatics from time to time. Covers you and I a lot. Uh, I, I, I know who that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Josh, really good guy. Yeah. and uh, Met him a couple of times in Cedar Falls up there at games in the past. He sent me a message. Let me bring it up here just to make sure. He said in Central Iowa in the past they'd been on WHO 13.2 for the uh, UNI, the Panther broadcast okay. that have gone there. Nothing officially had been out when I checked on Friday, but at this point, at least that's something that has happened in the past. So we'll keep an eye on that one, possibly 13.2. Is, is there a place we can... Is, I mean, 13.2's got to publish their schedule somewhere, I would think. You, yeah. Maybe you, not. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe just as simple as uh, giving a call to Keith Murphy. You try know, right? Well, it, he works at 13.2, right. and he, yeah. I would think. Uh, anyways, um, I hope it is. I want to watch the Panthers uh-huh. play Friday night. I'm into it, I think. I'm going to try. It's football. It's football, after all. I'm Miller and Condon with you until noon. Again, the keyword is dollar to 200-200. Rob Doster next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.7. LS number 1168. Matthew Stafford trade. Just past 10.30 on a Monday. Welcome back as we take you until noon. 11.05, uh, Dave Sproul on Iowa State. 11.25, Scott Dockerman on the Hawkeyes. Greg Marshall, interesting name. Somebody just tweeted at us. Um, look, the guy can coach. Yes. You know he can recruit. Then there's Mrs. Marshall. Mm-hmm. And anyways, um, what do you think? I, I like the idea. I we, do too. I'd have to dig a little bit deeper because it was one of those stories that I didn't get real deep into. Kind of all the transgressions that were happening there. We got a guy right now that probably well, let's ask knows him. a little bit more about it. Uh, Rob Doster, Field of Sixty Eight. He's the founder. You can uh, follow on Twitter, the Field of Sixty Eight. That's the number sixty eight, or at Rob Doster. Uh, Rob Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. Uh, we are pretty much uh, assured that there's going to be a new coach uh, in Ames at Iowa State. We don't think Steve Prom can survive this. Uh, last couple of years have not gone good. Not sure if there's going to be a win in the Big Twelve on the horizon. And even though, you know, athletic budgets being what they are, they're going to get fans back in at Hilton at some point. And can you afford to keep them uh, is going to be the question. So trying to put out names, Rob Doster, Greg Marshall, we think he can coach. Um, is he a guy that uh, the NCAA, have there been any sanctions levied upon him? And, of course, there's the whole Mrs. Marshall thing. Yeah, I don't think that there has been, but I also don't think that Greg Marshall is necessarily the guy that you want running your program. Um, I'm just never, I'm never, look, he's a great coach, right? But there's certain things that I don't think 
should go on within college basketball programs, and, and I don't think that there's there's ways that certain student athletes should not be allowed to be treated. Right. The same reason that I don't think Billy Gillespie should be allowed to be coaching uh, college kids anymore. And, and I mean, if that's the way that you're going to go, that's the way that you're going to go. But uh, I, I think the best way to phrase it is this: He is the greatest coach in the history of Wichita State's program. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a reason why no one that played on those teams from 2015 to 2019 came out to support him or defend him. Mm-hmm. And I think that, to me, speaks volumes. Yeah, and they had a lot of success under him, but you're 100% right. Another name that I threw out last week, and I was going away from the mid-major path that seemingly everybody does, who's going to get hot in this tournament, and that'll be the next in vogue name, was Archie Miller at Indiana. Very uneven season. He's had success uh, against Iowa this year, but... For Iowa State, is Archie in year number four, if they make the tournament, lose in the first round, would he be in danger of losing a job? And if not, how much pressure is going to be on him next season in year number five with the Hoosiers? Oh, man. I mean, there's already a lot of pressure on him. Mm-hmm. You know, Indiana fans are already, like, fed up. That's the most demanding fan base in the country. There was a local columnist the other day that wrote that uh, – that Archie isn't succeeding at Indiana because he's not trying hard enough, which is just like, <laughs> Jeez. Uh, come on, man. That's <laughs> I think I think Archie Miller is trying very very hard, but um, yeah, I, I mean that 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 fan base expects the greatness, right? They expect their their program to be uh, in the mix with with Kentucky and in the mix with Duke and in the mix with Kansas in terms of you know consistently being the best program in the country year in and year out. I know that's not necessarily the case this year. It's a weird season, but uh, they, they, the expectation at Indiana is to be competing for Big Ten titles, can be competing for Final Fours, <clears throat> and be competing for national titles. And they haven't been that. You know, they haven't. Archie's been to, um, make sure I get it right, they, they, he hasn't been to an NCAA tournament yet. He probably would have made it last season. Uh, but it would have been kind of on the bubble. It looks like he's probably going to make it this season, but... He's six and seven in the Big Ten. You know, the only reason that they're in the mix for a uh, for an NCAA tournament bid is, a, <coughs> excuse me, uh, a sweep over Iowa. So it's tough, and you know, I, I kind of feel for them. But in this day and age, it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to be able to get a program going. Rob Doster joining us. Field of sixty eight is where you can see him. Uh, Jeff Goodman. There, it's, it's a great follow if you're a college basketball junkie. I'm sure we'll get to Drake and Loyola at some point, but I want to go to Michigan and Wisconsin with you from yesterday. Um, of course, that's the, always the big question, right? Well, what are they going to be coming out of this COVID break? What are they going to look like? Now that question is going to be asked about Baylor once they get back on the floor. Rob, uh, I'm sure you had an opportunity to see some of that game, if not all of it. Wisconsin got out to a lead at halftime. They were, I, I think, dominating the basketball game, up 12. Howard goes in, has a different game plan for the final 20 minutes. Michigan, who I wasn't sure of, uh, I'm now pretty sure that I was wrong about the Wolverines. That was an impressive performance coming out of the break and doing so in Madison. Yeah. What, what Michigan did in the second half on on Saturday is not something that I think can ever be overlooked. Um, they, coming out of a 23-day pause, uh, they, they were down by 14 in the first half, and they came out and they just, completely wiped the floor with Wisconsin in the second half. And this is the stat that really stands out to me more than anything else. Um, Wisconsin in the first half averaged 1.37 points per possession. That is courtesy of Dylan Burkhart, who runs the UM Hoops uh, uh, website and and, uh, Twitter account. And in the second half, Wisconsin scored 
0.58 points per possession, which is just like mm. two completely different worlds of ability on the defensive end of the floor and something that is just, it's incredible, really. And, um, and uh, like, I don't think, look, when you're on that pause and, and you don't play for 23 days, and, and the thing with Michigan is like, it wasn't just that they weren't playing, like they were quarantined in, in, in their hotel rooms. They weren't allowed to use the athletic facilities. The way that they were working out was by having their strength and conditioning coach send them workouts, right? Send them workouts um, uh, via video, and that they had to do by themselves in, in their torn rooms. Like you're, you're not going to be able to stay anywhere in your game shape doing that. And despite that, they had the legs to be able to go out in the second half and make this comeback. Now, the impressive, impressive thing about it to me is that they didn't just like force a bunch of turnovers and um, and you know get get uh, Wisconsin making mistakes and, and and they didn't do this because it was like one seventeen to nothing run or something like that, right? They just over the course of an entire half sat in a stance, locked people up, and just did not allow Wisconsin to get good looks for for 20 minutes. And, and that is just so difficult to do. And I don't think that you can overlook um, just how impressive that is. They completely overwhelmed a top 20 team on the road for 20 whole minutes after not playing for uh, 23 games and being down by 14 in the first half. Like, it's just all that stuff that we talked about last week about how, oh, I don't know if there's a third best team in college basketball. Right. We don't know what Michigan's going to be coming yeah. off. We got to be concerned. We got to see what's going to happen. Well, you know what? Throw all that content out the window, light it on fire, pretend that it didn't exist, and uh, and yeah, Michigan is awesome. A lot of conversations now. Of course, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan can win a national championship. Who else? How many more teams can win the six in a row necessary, or seven if you start in the first four like VCU a few years back? But the six straight games, how many teams do you put on that list that can ultimately win this whole thing? Um. I think that it's just two still. You do. I still don't believe. Yeah, I, I still don't believe that um, that that this is something where um, anyone other than Baylor or Gonzaga can win it, assuming that they don't have issues with their uh, with, with with the coronavirus and issues with shutdowns and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Like that. That's the big um, the big question mark yep. here. Like, can we um, can we find a way to be able to uh, make sure that these teams don't have any kind of shutdown or any kind of pause in the NCAA tournament. Like that's the only thing that stands between Gonzaga and Baylor and winning a national title. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just so my thing is as good as Michigan is, I'm worried about them playing teams where Hunter Dickinson is going to be putting the ball screens and asking the defender on the perimeter because I think that's what his weakness is against Wisconsin, where uh, he doesn't he's not going to get um, exposed defensively. Like he, he's going to be fine. So I think that's a bit of an issue. Um, I also don't I'm not enamored with their point guard play. Uh, you know, Mike Smith is, is good and he's leading the, the big 10 in assists. I don't think that Mike Smith is uh, quite in the same conversation as Jared Butler and Jalen Suggs. No. And as we know, college basketball is a guard sport. So um, it's, 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 it's nitpicking a little bit, right? But Michigan, like when we're talking about like winning a national title, like you have to nitpick because Baylor and Gonzaga are both like, in the conversation for being historically good teams. So it, it's, look, I, I, I'm in on Michigan. I think that they are very, very good, and I think that they can make a Final Four. I think that they are clearly the best team in the Big Ten, clearly the third best team in college basketball. 
but I would not say that they are um, the, the kind of team that can like legitimately go out and win a national title. I just I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, my advice for them is once they get to that point is don't bring a barber into the team to cut their hair, <laughs> uh, as the Chiefs tried to. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so so let's get to uh, I, I'm with you. Just one more on, on Wisconsin and Michigan. I, I don't want to you know harp on this. Um, did you see Davidson uh, throwing uh, an elbow to the chops of Brooks, and then uh, again getting away without uh, uh, without as much as a foul? That guy's so dirty, Rob. He really and truly is. Did you see that play? Uh, I did. Um, I did not think that that one was intentional. Really? Um, yeah. I, well, I thought that he was using the elbow to create space. I did not think that he was using the elbow to try to to hit Mike Smith in the jaw. Um, you know, the, the, it's not uncommon to see um, see those guys uh, try to do that, um, and it's not uncommon to try to use your like your arms to try to hold off defenders. And if 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 Davidson does that against like any kind of normal size shot blocker, like we're not even having this conversation because like he elbows him in the chest. Right. Or right. Um, <laughs> the problem is this wasn't against a normal size size shot blocker. This was against a six foot probably closer to like 5'10", Mike Smith, yeah. who just so happened to be at elbow height. Yeah. Um, so I, I do not think that he was trying to elbow Mike Smith in the face. Well, then the next I time do down the floor... I was just going to say, like, I, I do think he was trying to use his elbow to create space. Yeah. I do not think he was trying to put his elbow in, in into Mike Smith's jaw. It's just... One of those things that happens, man. Yeah. It's basketball for you. Well, next time down the floor, then he pushes Brooks in the back. And <laughs> anyways, <laughs> his uh, reputation yeah. preceded him. Uh, so we'll agree to disagree on that. But let, let's move on. Let's do Drake and Loyola because what a uh, look! It was it was difficult to watch the final couple of minutes of that basketball game, Rob. But really good, <laughs> yeah. wasn't Put it? it nicely. Oh, um, but really good for the Valley, right? That that Drake got the got the split after being you know run out of their own gym on Saturday. I think therefore clearly keeping hopes alive of two bids from the Valley this year. Do you see it this uh, th- that way? And if so, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, mission accomplished, right? They've still got some work to do, both of those schools, in order to get to win. Yeah. Um, for for Loyola, I think Loyola is, is fairly safe now. Like as long, the, the big thing is, like, and you say there's still work to do, um, they don't have to do more in terms of building their resume up. They just cannot like lose these bad games. And the thing about the valley is the bottom of the valley is is, is a cavern. It's it's. Uh, I mean, you know those uh, those things about. Oh yeah, this is a hole that doesn't have a bottom uh, that people go try to find. Like the, the the bottomless well or whatever it is. That's basically what the bottom of the Missouri Valley is. And when you are kind of like on a, on a nice edge when in terms of what your tournament resume is, which Drake is because they lost to Valparaiso already this season. You cannot have any more of those bad losses. So as of right now, I would say that Drake is in the NCAA tournament. They have a strong enough net. They have a win over a top-10 team in Loyola. Loyola is number 10 in the net right now. Um, so uh, when you factor that in like that, that's probably a resume that's good enough to get you in the tournament, considering that they weren't able to play much of a non-conference schedule. Now, if you lose another game to a quad-through team or a quad four team, that's a very different conversation. So as long as Drake doesn't, uh, go out and do something really dumb between now and the Missouri Valley tournament title game when they would uh, ideally lose to Loyola, then they'll be an at-large team. Um, Loyola's got a little bit more wiggle room because they have such a good, uh, like such good computer numbers 
but it's still the kind of thing where like you don't want to risk it, seeing as you only have one quad one win. On the local front, I want to uh, get your perspective on something that is gaining more and more steam after what we saw Friday night from Mayo Desumu on that comeback against Nebraska going into Pinnacle Bank and a little hair on fire getting the victory. Ten straight to end the regulation. He uh, couples it with the first five of overtime. and We've seen Luca Garza struggle here a little bit. Iowa against Illinois. We saw that great game on a Friday night a couple of Fridays ago. But as it pertains to Big Ten Player of the Year, who are you taking, and ultimately, who you think is going to win this award? I would right now probably take Io, but like it's 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 very very close to me. Um, and if you're going to tell me that it's, it's got to be Luca Garza, I'm probably not going to argue with you too much. My my big thing is, and I wrote something about this today, is that um, I, I think that the 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 biggest concern that I have with Iowa is on the defensive end of the floor. Like the reason why I don't think they are necessarily a national title contender right now is because I don't know how well they can guard. I don't know if they can consistently get enough stops. And um, a major reason for that is because I do have concerns about what Luka Garza is defensively. Um, you know, how good is he in ball screens? Is the reason why he has those issues in ball screens, or is the reason why they play so much zone because of those issues in ball screens? So that's my concern. The other part of it is that uh, as good as – as Luca has been this season, he's averaging 24 points and eight boards. Well, I have to assume what the point guard spot is averaging 21.7 points and 6.2 boards to go along with 5.1 assists while shooting 40% from three. Did you know that in, since, since 1992, and it's as far back as basketball references database goes, there have been two other Division One players that averaged 21 points, six boards, and five assists in the college basketball season. One of them was some guy from Moorhead State that I've never heard of before. <laughs> And one of them was Penny Hardaway in 1992. And nobody has averaged those numbers at those thresholds at a high major conference since 1992. And Penny, he he did it in the Great Midwest Conference. And I don't know if that was like a high major conference back then or whatever, but um, I was doing this in the Big Ten in the toughest conference in America, right? And he's shooting 40% from three. You factor 40% from three into the equation, and nobody has done that in, in, from what I can find in the history of college basketball. Uh, in Big Ten play alone, Luka's averaging 22-8, and eight, while Iowa's averaging 26-5. and five. T- uh, 20 points, six boards, five assists. He is second in the conference in scoring, second in the conference in assists, and he's the guy that takes over down the stretch. Like the, the, the Nebraska game was a perfect example to me. Illinois is not playing well. Right, they they were they were downright bad at that game. Mm-hmm. Um, they were trailing at halftime. Iowa has twenty two in the second half. The final ten in regulation in the first five in overtime carries them to a win. He's done that over and over and over again. And at this point, like we actually, I'm not, I, I don't think that you can necessarily say Iowa is going to win the award or Luca is going to win the award. But right now, you have to have a conversation, and it, it's very much in the air, in my opinion, uh, who is the, the favorite to win the award. And, and at this very moment. I would probably lean slightly towards Iowa. I don't think you're alone, Rob Doster. That seems to be the consensus. I think we're just priming the Hawkeye fans for uh, another frustrating yeah. march because we saw what happened. Rob, you were amongst them that didn't have Luca's National Player of the Year. But again, Iowa, their schedule the rest of the way is very difficult. And if they finish 12 and 8, 13 and 7 in the Big Ten, and Illinois 17 and 3, I think that also tilts things a little bit. Yeah, it does because, at least for me, like winning has to matter. Now, yeah. Um, I, I think at 13-7, and I was still probably good enough to get Luca Garza into the conversation. Mm-hmm. But it's like, 
you know, part of the reason you have him there is because his numbers are statistical outliers. I and mean, he's, he's having an unbelievable statistical season. And you kind of overlook the fact that, like, there are maybe some deficiencies in his game. But if Io's having a year that's just as good, if not better statistically, and he also doesn't have those weaknesses, and he's also playing on a team that happens to be better, like, and he's making, like, game-winning shots and game-winning plays, at some point you kind of have to say, okay, look, Luka's awesome but he might be the second best player in, the, in college basketball this season. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm with you. Look, it's been Wieskamp the last couple of uh, games that uh, has uh, propelled this Hawkeye team. Rob Doster, great stuff. Field is 68. Follow him on Twitter, at Rob Doster. Appreciate it, Rob. Thanks for coming on, as always. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Yep, good to talk to you. Rob Doster uh, joining us as we go around college basketball. Come back, finish up the hour. It's not a foregone conclusion. I think yeah. I would be the favorite right now if you could make that bet in the state of Iowa. Yeah, I I, I would take Iowa right now mm-hmm. because of what we've seen from Luka. And it's a guards game, college basketball. What do you want in the NCAA tournament? Who would you rather have? Mm-hmm. Take off black and gold glasses yeah. right now and, and look at this. Who would you rather have? I don't think it's close. It's Ayo Desumu, yep. big gap, then Luca Garza. End of January, not the case. Right. Middle of February, I think it's the case. And But if Luca puts a team on his back like Aaron White did at the end of his senior season, uh-huh. and they go out here and they win six of their last seven, conversation changes again, and I think it goes back the other way. He was held to single digit. This is not recency bias either. No, 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 no. This is all-encompassed. It's If there is a gap... And I think the preseason pub for Lucas still stands, but that gap is closing. So Hawkeye fans, just get ready. The foregone conclusion, like you said, it's not there. No, not anymore. It's not. We'll come back, finish up the hour. Uh, Dave Sproul on Iowa State, Scott Dockerman on Iowa. Uh, that's hour number two, Miller and Condon, 1460 KX01. Condon, final couple of minutes, first hour of the program. Another keyword coming up in hour number two, as is Dave Sproul and Scott Dockerman. So, I know you're a night owl. Yes. Did you have Daytona 500 on, or did you even know it was going on in the uh, final hours of Sunday? I didn't. I was watching an opus, uh, episode of Cobra Kai. The oh, What is that? You remember Karate Kid from the 80s? I do. Well, I remember the name. I, don't, yeah. I, I never watched it. Never saw the movie? No. Do you know any movies? A few, yeah. I mean, how do you think of the last couple decades? I'm sure I do. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there's a knockoff series. It's fast forward here 20 years later, and now Johnny Lawrence. Has he still got his skills, or is this a different Well, yeah, kid? And, and now they're working their kids through there, I and gotcha. it's all that kind of thing. But I had my phone like 50-year-olds fighting right. at this point. And I was also folding laundry, uh-huh. so I didn't have my phone with me. I normally would. And all of a sudden, I flip it off and go upstairs, and oh, I just missed the end of Daytona, eleven thirty at night, whatever it was. I'm gonna guess you didn't stay up for it. No, but I, that was what I, you know, final minutes of my day was. Yeah. I, I had it on. I have no idea who the guys that won the race. Have you ever heard of them? No. I, I do know because I checked because uh, we had it as part of Claxons. It was an even number car. Oh, okay. So when you go to correct the Claxons yes, from this yes. past week, uh, it was an even number. There was a wreck at the end and weather and uh, yeah. So it won't be fair to judge the ratings when they come out on whatever. They won't be good. I don't think so. Now, it could have been, I think, if they would have been able to park it in prime time. Right. But on the East Coast, this was um, into today, was it not, by yeah. the time it ended? I thought you'd be on your treadmill and you got your TV on. And no, not. I thought you might have watched Just that. NASCAR doesn't. No, I'm with you. I, I, I'm with I, you. There's times I wish it would. 
Well, if there's going to be one, this was the one I would have maybe watched a little bit, but I was in college basketball yesterday, mm-hmm. and, then, and then the Avalanche and the uh, Golden Knights had a hell of a hockey game last night. There was a point last night, though, where I felt, boy, really miss football yeah. on Sunday nights? <laughs> yeah, get you get used to uh-huh. it. One week down, way too many to go. <laughs> Hour number two, Dave Sproul will kick it off more on Iowa State. Then we'll get into Iowa with Scott Dockerman, Miller and Condon until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.